0: You left home just for the weekend. A sense of adventure called out to you and wouldn't stop calling. So you packed your favorite sweater and a particular leather grimoire and drove the winding roads until you found the place that called. At this point in life, you know that every now and then, you need to pick up and run to traverse new terrain and find new hiding places. To feel that freedom in the wind. So you walk through salty air and broken shells, and you think alone now and in the quiet. The glassy sea reflects your problems back to you. And the wind whispers the urgency of your worries. But you don't listen to them right now. You're on the run. Just for a little while. And so you find a spot safe from the tide and hidden from the mist. And you pull my journal from your bag. And you read. Welcome back to the Grimoire Odyssey, a podcast that takes you on a journey through a witch's diary, my diary. I take entries from my many different grimoires over my many different years and string them into consciousness so I can deliver them to you. My name is Ness, and I'm so glad you're here. This is episode two, and if you've not listened to episode one, I recommend you do and come back as our storyline is linear and will make more sense chronologically. Quick disclaimer, this podcast is heavy in contemplation about life, living, and witchcraft, and a lot like poetry, the thoughts I share here with you all are abstract, mutable, and deeply personal. Very quickly, I also want to take a moment and say thank you to everyone who listened to the debut episode, and for sticking with me. And I want to be honest with you, even though the response was wonderful, there was a brief time where I wasn't sure if I wanted to keep going. I became fearful that such personal reflections might should be protected instead of aimlessly floating around the internet. But I started this for a reason. And I've learned that if you're going to put your art out into the world in whatever form that may be, you have to be ready to see it through, despite the obstacles, despite the fear. This world is vultuous to vulnerability, but the brave will keep creating. And you reminded me to be brave. So for those of you who wrote me private messages, sharing your thoughts and urging me to keep going, I dedicate this to you. Thank you. Page 8 Today I've been thinking on old memories. The big ones and the small kind. And their quintessence. Did you know that every time you learn or experience something new, your brain creates a link? That link is what we call a memory. It's a real, tangible, biological connection between you and the experience. This tells me that memory is more than just a fever dream or an empty vision from the past. It made me, helped form my brain. And that is the nature of memory. It shapes us. The important memories in our lives seem clear to us. An acceptance letter, a wedding, a first child, a funeral. These are all standalone moments, once or twice in a lifetime happenstances that stop our daily routines in their tracks and may change the course of our future forever. These are the days we remember, the days that require yearly X's on the calendar. But have you ever considered the small moments? And I'm not just talking about the time you carve out of your day to appreciate the little things. I'm mostly talking about the tiny, imperceptible, seemingly unimportant seconds that build and build and build upon each other. Like the first time you hear a favorite song, or when a butterfly flaps its wings a thousand miles away and you arrive late to the coffee house, just in time for a pretty stranger to hold the door for you. They are a mere glance that eventually leads to an X. They make up most of our days, but they are coincidental and fleeting, making them hard to notice and easy to forget. But I've considered them more recently, and I believe them to be just as important. Because while the big moments are more memorable, they're the ones we worked towards, the ones we dreamt of. The small moments are the ones we could not control. They are the moments that happened to us, built our life around us, and without us realizing, helped shape who we are. That's another reason I journal, so I can remember my tiny moments. And I'm grateful for the reflection. I'm grateful for the ability to look into a mirror made of paper and ink and see the young girl who learned all those lessons, who experienced all the tiny what-ifs and life-changing occasions, and understand why she is who she is today. This is why I love using memories when spellcrafting. Maybe this is due to my star sign, but I believe witches make magic through emotion. When we perform a spell, we often use tools and ingredients. Like it is well known to use rosemary for protection, rue for prosperity, and lavender for peace or love. But you can find anything in a witch's arsenal. Flower petals, ink, Herbs, glass jars, candles, dead plant matter, river water, rainwater, swamp water, graveyard dirt, rotten fruit, old bones, sticks, string, rocks, the list can go on indefinitely. The tools of our craft are chosen by what kind of energy they carry. And what carries more energy and emotion for somebody than a memory? The list of ingredients above will have a unique meaning to every witch that uses them, because of their unique life experience. If I'm trying to invoke a sense of love, I imbue my spell with the things that remind me of love. And when I think love spells, I think lemons, and not roses, because my partner has never given me roses, but he loves lemons, and he made us lemon tarts for our first anniversary. And like love, lemons can be tart and sweet, or leave you sour. Seashells are for harmony, tumbleweed thorns are for safe travels, and cinnamon is for good health. These are unusual associations that you might not find written for common use. But to me, they are all for a reason, a deeply personal one, tied to a memory. And when the work is personal like this, It feels like powerful magic. Now, there's nothing wrong with working with associations found in a book. I do it all the time. But I do hope you are aware of your ability and your power to work with feeling. In spellcasting, emotion isn't stifled. It's amplified. So use your emotions to your advantage. Find a memory that evokes the feeling you want to imbue into your spell feel it fully, and use the ingredients that mean the most to you. It took me a while within my practice to learn where my power comes from, and then how to really wield it. And the answer for both turned out to be simple, I believe the power or ability to use witchcraft is innate, natural. It lies in the things that surround me every day. The things I can touch. The things that make me feel. It is innate because I am living. And to wield it, control it, I believe is done by harnessing your emotions. The ability to give a name to what you are feeling Summon, let go, or change them as you see fit? Well, that is alchemy, alchemist. To reach out and touch a stream of water and conjure peace. To stand still in the chaos of a storm and summon strength. Or to feel the quick strike of a match and feel passion. It's not a scientific answer. We don't have one of those yet, but all I know is that we can touch the same elements that make up the cosmos, that are responsible for shifting the seasons year after year, because those same elements make up our living cells. And it makes no sense to me that you take something like us, or any living thing, essentially an extension of the same chemical energy that makes up the entire known universe and have its chemical makeup allow it to experience something as potent and influential as an emotion and not call it magic. What do you feel when you think of the elements, dear reader? When I close my eyes and picture fire, I see my own fireplace, sitting close by, feeling its warmth and comfort. I think of safety, a hearth, shelter, protection, and cooking. I also picture a wildfire, the wildfire, the one that took away all of the wildflowers and our homes. I relive walking among the acres of charred juniper and ash-scented air where nothing was left. I can feel how consuming and relentless fire can be. When I think of Earth, I think of sitting alone on a stump. A serene picture, green and lush, feeling perfectly peaceful. But when I look closer, there are martens in the trees, and rows and rows of tree friends and tiny plant allies soaking up the evening sun. So much life. Even the dirt beneath my boots harbors tiny insects and even tinier microbes, billions of them in the soil just between my fingertips. So no, not alone at all. And nor is it only serene, for I see the clouds above me brewing a heavy thunderstorm, and the rat snakes hidden in their stolen burrows are soon to come out looking for their next meal. When I think of air, honestly, I think of music, I think of wind chimes and how the airwaves carry things, the melody of a birdsong, the lyricism of a poem, the tones within speech. I remember getting swept away by the soft strings of a Spanish guitar, a lullaby. And since, too, I distinctly remember the smell of my pet rabbit my parents brewing coffee on Christmas morning, and rain-soaked wind. The element of air is evocative, engaging so many senses all at once. It engages the mind. It engages memory. And for as long as I can remember, I have always been drawn to water. Whether it be the soothing ripple of a stream, the gentle lapping of a lake against its edge, or the powerful and rhythmic crashing of the tides of the sea, I close my eyes and I think of how my feet carry me to the source of the sound like a reflex. I have to be right next to it and feel the coolness on my skin. I remember as a child how I would swim for hours, seemingly never tiring, wishing and wishing I would grow gills and fins and become one of the fishes. And even though the time and imagination of childhood has passed, I still feel the pull of water just the same. When I think of water, I think of tears and hurricanes. I wonder what you see when you close your eyes, dear reader, and how I wish you could tell me. Every element has the ability to create and destroy, break down and rebuild. They carry a unique energy and emotion. They have their own story, their own magic. And as I witness the movements of elements in nature, I realize they are not just useful as tools of witchcraft. They are teachers, teachers of cunning, teachers of how to be. I've been back since, to the land consumed by fire, and I was surprised to see so much ground vegetation. The trees are still charred, but their upheaval left enough mineral in the soil for hundreds of new plants I'd never seen there before. Evening primrose and yellow sweet clover for the honeybees. Upon reflection, I think I learned in that moment about cultivating new growth. How the earth does it steadily and patiently, even in the face of tragedy. The fire and upheaval showed me destruction, and the possibility of now building something new, hopefully better. The wind on my skin was already scattering new seeds, whispering to me about adaptability, that the only constant is change, and to adjust course when the winds shift. The elements have endless lessons to teach, I'm sure. But you see, they told me their story, and though I didn't know it at the time, I was listening. Stop the clock. Don't you wish you could? On a picture-perfect moment one that became a memory so sweet you seek it in the recesses of your mind to relive again and again, over and over. And isn't it weird that those memories can be tied to ones you wish you could forget? Like how, in the blink of an eye, and without my control, a mere glance turned a pretty stranger at a coffee house into the sounds of midnight laughter and butterfly kisses and then into the rustle of leaves beneath a pair of boots choosing to walk away. Memories, that's all they are now. It is in these experiences that we begin to understand the fragileness of the heart and feel the soreness of its ache. Isn't it hard to know who to let in? About which mistakes deserve forgiveness? Isn't it hard to know that even between two good people, Amends are never guaranteed? Isn't it an incredible concept? We move throughout our lives and throughout the world, making our own personal history. A bridge that connects the past to the present. A bridge that connects the things we've done, all the things we've felt, to the magic we make right now. Like how I once had to learn how to use fire to tame my anger, instead of let it destroy me how I once had to scry through water and learned that distancing myself from my emotions was the same as distancing myself from my compass. And that after I could take a breath, I learned to trust again. It is because of these kinds of memories, the hard ones, that I have learned that spells cast with chaotic emotions may produce chaotic results and clear and conscious emotions provide clear intent. Eventually, I learned that what I needed wasn't a resolution. What I needed was to let go. And so I cast a spell. A simple request of the river flowing at my feet. I walked the length of it, its current swift. I was thinking of all that I needed to let go of, and what I wanted to keep. Thinking abstractly and emotionally. I allowed my thoughts to be irrational, haphazard things, and I walked until I could narrow them down to a single sentence. And when I was clear and ready, I put that sentence and all the feelings that went with them into a stone and heaved it as far down the bank as I could. Because I knew that if I let it, some of what I held onto the water could carry away from me. So if you are at a crossroads, and you have a desire for magic, look for guidance in the elements and in your own personal history. Are you angry? Are you sad? Or do you have a dream? One you would like the water to carry away? You already have everything you need, fire, earth, air, water, and spirit. If there was any advice I could give on the subject, it's that you are an alchemist, full of power and desire, and a bundle of raw emotions. Use your power wisely. I look forward to visiting with you in these pages again soon. Once you pack up your belongings and dust the sand from your lap, you walk back along the sandy shore. As you walk, you carry a stone in your palm and you think long and deep about your dreams and the worries you're ready to face. Once you reach the end, you look at the grey stone in your hand and you bring it up to your lips to whisper one final wish into it, succinct and exact. One final squeeze in your fist, and you send it flying into the sea. So like a message in a bottle, the water may carry your wish to whomever needs to receive it.